And welcome to episode 88 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. It's been a slow couple of weeks, which is why you haven't heard from us in a couple of weeks. But uh, fear not, we do have some hockey news to report. We're going to lead off the show with a big signing uh, in Edmonton. Um, it's not Connor McDavid, that already happened. Uh, this time it's Leon Dreisaitl getting paid. We'll break down the contract, what that means for the Oilers, what that could mean for David Pasternak, who is still not signed. We'll talk about that in our Bruins Sense segment. And a guy that probably a lot of us thought would have been traded by now, but still isn't, is Matt Duchesne. We'll break down why he's still in Colorado, why he probably should leave Colorado, and what the Avs are best getting in return. Because he only has two years left on his contract, and they're probably going to lose him for nothing. So we'll break that down, and we've also got some rapid-fire items uh, to dish out as well. But first, shout-out to all the players past and present who have worn number 88 in the NHL. Eric Lindros, of course, um, big presence in the NHL for many years. Patrick Kane, a big presence in the NHL today. So is Brent Burns, who started wearing number 88 in 2012. And, of course, David Pasternak wears number 88 with the Bruins. Um, And a couple of players that you probably didn't know wore number 88, although briefly, but they did. Owen Nolan with the Quebec Nordiques in 1991, he wore number 88, as did Joe Sackick with the same team, the Quebec Nordiques, in 1989. Andre Vasilevsky, the only goalie that I know of. 2015 onward, that has worn number 88. Uh, Jerome McGinley wore that number with the Kings this year. And during his time with the Capitals from 2014 to 2017, so did Nate Schmidt, who is now at the Vegas Golden Knights. So to all them and to all the players we didn't mention, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. So it's uh, interesting that we, uh, we're we going to be talking about Pasternak a bit um, towards the end of this episode. Uh, but uh, this is his episode. This is his tributed episode. So um, congrats on him. Uh, <laughs> so we start with another comparable, speaking of Pasternak, um, with uh, Leon Dreisaitl, um, he got eight years, $8.5 million for the Oilers, or $8.5 million per year. Um, the uh, So I'm going to just mention his stats quickly. He, has 70, he had 77 points in 82 games last year. Um, he had 51 points in 72 games um, the year before, which is pretty good. And then his rookie season, this was the year before McDavid joined the team. He had nine points in 37 uh, 37 games. Now, the only reason why I mention that is because McDavid, um, for me, I'm not convinced yet that Dreisaitl can play well without McDavid. As you may have known, Dreisaitl plays on... McDavid's wing at some t- at some points as well. I mean, I guess there is something to growth, and he could be an independent player on his own. I'm just not entirely convinced yet that he has. Um, 
However, uh, this is a deal that had to be done for the, uh, for the Oilers, um, and they have so they have their two best players locked up. Arguably, their two best players. I guess you could make a case that Talbot's better than Drysdale, maybe. Um, but um, so yeah, McDavid um, and Drysdale both um, got signed this season. That means twenty one million for those two guys for the upcoming future. Um, for the next eight or nine years, um, the the all the Oilers, as we've talked about before, when McDavid got signed, uh, six million, um, six mil- Lucic is making six million, Sakara is making five point five million. Um, that's like the bigger ones that are kind of like, uh, what are they thinking? Uh, we're not sure exactly how the Oilers are going to do it. Um, except it looks like they're going to try to do the, a similar kind of um, situation as the Penguins and the um, Blackhawks did with their two stars, um, but it's it's kind of a little weird uh, considering the Oilers like have a little bit don't have as much leeway. Also, I didn't realize this as well. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is making six million per year as well, so um, that's an interesting case as well. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, do you think uh, Dry Settle is worth this much? Well, um, it should be noted that uh, just a couple of details on his contract: it's worth sixty-eight million over eight years, as you mentioned. It includes seven million dollar bonuses in twenty twenty-one and twenty twenty-three. Okay. Uh, in the first four years, he's going to get nine million, and then he's going to get eight million over the final four years. In the final three years, he's got a modified no trade, no move in effect. Um, and once this deal is done, the interesting thing about this is he's going to be nearing thirty years of age, so he's still going to be in his prime. Yeah. Um, and it's just the way he was able to elevate his game, like you said, in year one, two goals, nine points, thirty-seven games, nineteen goals, fifty-one points, seventy-two games, his second year. This year, 77 points, 29 goals in yep. 82 games, 16 playoff points in 13 games um, during the Oilers' recent playoff run. That's, than, that's probably what got them that got, what got him yep. the money because especially later first round and in the second round against Anaheim, he was an absolute monster. True. He had that monster game. And to your point with the McDavid thing, when he had that hat trick against the Ducks yep. uh, in game six of that series – McDavid was non-existent. That was all Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, that's so, true. I, uh, I I think that that is a fair point. Like I, I I mean, the more I like looking at his stats, the more I'm like, well, maybe Dreisaitl can do this all on his own. And I th- like he had a better playoffs than McDavid did. McDavid had nine points in thirteen games in the playoffs. So, uh, whereas Dreisaitl had uh, sixteen. And, and just... So. There is a possibility yeah. that Drysdale really, is um, is the real deal. He just really adds to the potency as well because, like, yeah. you can put him on McDavid's line, or you can make him a second line center and move Ryan Nugent Hopkins to the third line. Right. Um, and that's what made the Oilers so deadly last year is that they had so many offensive weapons you couldn't contain all of them. Like, if you take yeah. away time and space from McDavid, that opens the door for Patrick Maroon. And look what he did last year: he gets twenty seven goals in the regular season. His previous career high was eleven. And yeah. he had 34 goals prior to last season in his career. And he gets 27 in one season. Um, 
what's the most amazing part about Drysdale's breakout year is that he's made all those leaps, and his average ice time per game only went up by 50 seconds from last year to his second year. And his average ice time per game on the power play went up by just 21 seconds, and he went from five goals and nine points in his second year to 10 goals and 27 points in uh, his third year, last year with the Edmonton Oilers. Imagine if he's able to average 50% or better from the faceoff dot when called upon, because he hasn't done that in any of his first three years in the league. But at the end of the day, he loves being in Edmonton. He loves being on the same line as Connor McDavid. Um, to your to your point, he uh, Connor helped him score 60 points in 58 games yep. um, when he switched to the wing to play on Connor's line. So Leon was a top 10 scorer in the league last year as well. So now the question is, you're right, can he become a dynamic player without the assistance of Connor McDavid? But beyond this year, like you said, the cap is going to be a problem yep. because... Once 2018-2019 begins, they'll be making a combined $21 million, the largest in yeah. uh, salary duo in the NHL today, tied with Taves and Kane, as you mentioned. Um, but you got to pay for quality at the same time. Yeah. There's zero doubt in my mind that Dreisaitl should be mentioned in the same conversation as Stamkos, as Jamie Benn, as Ryan right. Johansson, all as Vladimir Sarasenko. All those guys, Like he deserves to be in that conversation because he's just as good, if not better. But it all comes back to the salary cap. Yep. And this is the staggering stat for me. This season, they have just over $8 million left to work with. That's a lot of cap space. Next year, however, $60.7 million has been set aside for 13 players. For those of you who don't know, the roster limit is 20. That means if the cap stays the same for 2018-2019, right now it's at $75 million. Right. The Oilers need to spread around $14.3 million to 10 roster spots. <laughs> and I know that Dreisaitl can play a lot of different roles on this team, and he's excelled in so many of them. But money is money. Yeah. And at the end of the day, this is going to be very tough for Peter Shrelly to manage. It's going to be tough for fancy hockey leagues to manage, especially if you're in a keeper league, especially if you got McDavid and Dreisaitl on the same team. Right. But again, it's a very pricey contract, and down the road, it, it, this is probably going to present a nightmare scenario for Peter Shirelli. Well, if McD- but is he worth the money? I think he is. Can yeah. the Oilers afford to keep him? I don't know. Well, the thing is, is I think McDavid and Drysaitel are definitely worth the money. It's really the issue is everyone else. Like, Milan Lucic is making $6 million per year for the next, like, five years, which is kind of crazy considering he's 29 years old. He plays a tough game. I love Lucic, by the way, but it's like his, he's not as durable, let's say, for his style of play. And then you have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who has been a little bit, like, doesn't even get that much ice time now, but he's making $6 million as well. Um, you have Andre Sakara, who's making five point five million. Um, he has he's like thirty one years old. Um, Oscar Kleffbaum uh, is uh, Oscar Kleffbaum. I'll, I'll give you that. That's probably worth it. As well as Adam Larson, who are both making around four million. As well as Chris Russell, who they made as well. That's like a. I'm 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 more leaning towards Chris Russell considering he can block shots, but it's a little risky. And then you have Cam Talbot to worry about, 
who will be the next guy that you should pay a lot of money towards. So, um, and you also got a couple of depth guys like Patrick Maroon, Yossi Okunin, yeah. Mark Letestu. All of them, yeah. um, Letestu and Maroon, especially last year, they played big roles. Yossi yeah. Okunin, I think, can play a big role in this team. And they're going to be a UFA getting, next all year. All of them are getting less than $2 million this year. All three are UFAs after this year's Yeah, game. yeah. And then, um, and then we also have uh, Pulu RV uh, coming into the league this year, or should be coming yeah. into the league this year. So... Um, and he'll you know, be an RFA after 2018-2019 yeah. So, well. So, like, the, they could, like, if they continue to, like, pull guys like the Penguins do with, like, Shiri, Gensel, like, those guys, like, guys that are, like, undrafted people that are unheard of and can play with McDavid, like, you know, Shiri can play with Crosby, then I yeah. think you can you can manage this. It's just... Not every team is like the Penguins, so I don't know if it will work as well as the Penguins' defense is better than the Oilers' defense. It um, also helps when you have a coach like Todd McClellan who can adapt to different scenarios, yeah. I think, so that's, well. that's the main, I guess that's the main concern, but um, it's just like they have, like, sp- specifically Lucic, Nugent Hopkins, Chris Russell, and Sakara. Those are the ones that, like, in terms of their contract, that stands out to me as, like, Players that are overpaid for what they do. Um, and players that could be moved. Yeah, that could be moved. I actually remember, like, I think it was back when they drafted McDavid. Like, there were theories like, oh, so they're probably going to have to trade uh, Hall, Dreisaitl, or Nugent Hopkins um, so that they can get a defenseman. Um and, like, I think, like, the common consensus was that they were going to trade Tricidal because he, was he wasn't as much in the league at the moment, and they already had centers if they were to keep McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. So well, now... mistake that would have been. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so good for Tricidal to be... Um, it's almost like I, I remember they were, there were rumors earlier in the year that, like, people thought, like, Nylander was going to be the worst of the three Toronto Maple Leafs rookies, and they were going to trade him somehow. Um, but that was that would be a mistake, too. So um, so that's what you do. Um, so Bruins should listen up. Don't trade your young guys. Um, yeah, speaking of Bruins, uh, we'll mention this during the Bruins Send segment, but uh, this... Also has addressed this Dreisaitl signing kind of screwed over uh, the Pasternak deal. Uh, yet again, Shirelli is screwing the Bruins even when he is gone from the uh, organization. So, uh, yeah, congratulations, uh, Shirelli. For those who didn't hear, Leon, um, not Leon, uh, David Pasternak was offered, I believe, a six yep. by six deal, a six year deal worth six million per year. Uh, but that was before Dreisaitl got paid. Yeah, he still hasn't signed. Yep, um, we'll talk about this more in the Bruins sense event, but yeah, yep. um, thank you, Shirelli. <laughs> um, we're going to the rapid fire, Matt Duchesne. Um, you have a lot on this. I was actually so while you were talking about Drysdale, I was like looking up the latest rumors of Matt Duchesne. You've been wanting to talk about this forever, so. Uh, nothing has happened yet in terms of Matt Duchesne, but it is kind of odd. He's been on the trading block for what feels like forever um, lately. Um, the According to Darren Drager, um, 
the Avalanche still want a top young defenseman in return for Matt Duchesne. Um, Drager has said in the past that it would be awkward for Duchesne and Colorado to start the season together, but makes it clear that the forward is a professional and would not make a public show of his frustration. He also said that Nashville and Montreal are mentioned as possible destinations, but not as anything more than speculation from him. Um, so there's that. Uh, we also found a couple when uh, Hamannick uh, traded to the Calgary Flames. Um, reportedly, the uh, the Islanders offered Hamannick a first and a high end prospect to uh, to Colorado, and uh, Colorado turned it down. Um, I guess they didn't. I guess Ham isn't Hamannick like kind of old. I don't know. Maybe I have to look up his his stats. Um, Twenty seven, nearing his prime. Okay, yeah, never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe they want like an offensive defenseman. That's possible. Um, but they uh, have Tyson Berry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and they also they wanted. Um, also, the Bruins reportedly got offered Carlo for Duchene at one point. I think that was during the season. Um, that's an obvious no-go for Boston as well. Um, I think you, you... Oh, right. I also have that Nashville and uh, the Blue Jackets have made offers for Duchesne. I wouldn't... Like, as as uh, Drager mentioned, Montreal would be an interesting move considering they need centers now. Um, so it's pretty much like any team that needs centers um, would be interest should be interested in him. Like the Rangers, that would be an interesting move. Um, but um, I would imagine that because of all these trade rumors, I think the uh, Avalanche want like a defenseman, a young defenseman. Um, so um, yeah. Uh, what do you have on this? I, I think you have a lot more than I do. Oh, I've got a lot more. This is going to be very entertaining. And if you're still here to the end of this, God bless your soul. <laughs> it's going to be a long one, but I promise you're going to learn a lot, Brett. I'm going to ask you to chime in because I don't want this to be me yeah. waiting for like a solid 10 minutes. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. So, so prior to the NHL draft, they received a pretty decent offer. Matthew Shane, Hamannick, first-round pick, high-end prospect. Have Abs ultimately decided to turn it down, and then shortly after, Amanek goes to Calgary. Um, they didn't think it was enough. They they were hoping that Matt Barcel's name would come into uh, the contract discussions. It never did. Okay. Um, so, that so that was the high-end prospect, I guess? No, that's the probably the high-end prospect that they wanted. Uh, but, but the they, Islanders didn't want it. His name wasn't yeah. Well, here's the thing with Duchesne is that, like, he's a great face-off guy, but, like, he, like he's like he been hurt lately because of all this Colorado Avalanche, like, downturn. So it's yeah. like, we don't know how truly he can be. It's kind of like the Jordan Eberle effect in that way. It's like, we don't know how good he can be because their team has been so bad. But yeah, he's he's been a he's a good faceoff guy. So I don't know. So now, here's here's the thing. Let's take a look at Colorado's defense. They need shutdown defense. Yep. So Tyson Berry is their best offensive defenseman in the here and now. They have Cal Macker, who they drafted in the top four back in June. I think yep. he's got a bright future with them. Uh, Francois Beauchemin was bought out. He has since joined the Ducks again. Um, what 
guys on the avalanche right now classify as a shutdown option on defense. I mean, Eric Johnson's their most veteran presence, but they're stuck with him for the next six years. He's got a no-move clause as well. Right. Mark Barbario isn't much of a shutdown defenseman to begin with. Well, Eric Johnson's more of an offensive defenseman, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they have two vacant roster spots to fill in as well. Yeah. So that leaves us with Nikita Zadorov, who's an RFA looking for a new contract. He's the closest thing they have to Eric Johnson. He's got upside to his game as well. He was the team leader in hits with 153 before he suffered a season-ending injury. He also tipped in with 10 assists in 56 games. So, still trying to find his offensive stride. Colorado needs defense, though. Yep. And they need actual defensemen. So, if you added Hamannick into the mix, you add a guy who blocked 108 shots as a member of the Isles last year. He had a career-high 30 point, 33 points back in 2014-2015. So, he can also chip in offensively. As I mentioned, he's only 27 years old. And then on top of that, you get a first-round pick and a quality prospect. And for a guy who has two seasons left and $11.5 million left to be paid, that's close to the same value that the Ducks got when they traded Bobby Ryan to the Sens. Mm-hmm. They get a player with upside in Silverberg. They got a prospect, Stefan Mason, who didn't really pan out. They also got a first-round pick that turned out to be Nick Ritchie. In my opinion, that's a pretty fair deal. Now, if this had happened two years ago and Duchesne had four years remaining on his deal instead of two, I'd be asking for more. But instead, Colorado's now hoping they're going to get more than what the Isles offered them. Um, I think that's as good as deals they're going to get. So that begs the following question. Is Matt Duchesne the guy that Colorado wants to trade? TSN's Travis Yost had an amazing piece on this issue last month. He points out that while forwards are responsible for generating nearly 70% uh, 70% of total shots across the league, Duchesne's percentage of on-ice shots has slowly declined from 2013-2014 to 2016-2017. That's over the last four years. Mm -hmm. It was down to 22% last year. He also showed a chart that displayed the percentage of on-ice shots taken by Matt Duchesne and his teammate Gabriel Landeskog. In each of the last four years, both Matt and Gabe's percentages went down. Over that same time frame, Landis Cog's fourth most common linemate is Matt Duchesne, whereas Matt's second most common linemate is Gabe Landis Cog. Right. Two charts really intrigued me. The first was a graph that showed on-ice goal-scoring rates with Matt Duchesne over the last four years. Players on that list included Jerome McGinley, Ryan O'Reilly, Nathan McKinnon, Mikhail Grigorenko, Alex Tangay, Jamie McGinn, John Mitchell, Miko Rantanen, Matt Nieto, P.A. Parento, Max Talbot, Carl Soderberg, and the aforementioned Gabriel Landeskog. Out of those 13 players, only Miko Rantanen and Matt Nieto had lower on-ice goal-scoring rates with Matt Duchesne than Gabriel Landeskog. Landy has a rate of two goals per 60 minutes of hockey with Matt Duchesne on the ice. So that's the first graph. Here's the second line graph. It shows the percentage of on-ice shots taken by forward pairs over the last four seasons. Duchesne and McKinnon were the highest in three of those four years, but Duchesne and and, and Landeskog were the lowest in all four seasons it's very clear based on those stats that matt duchene is the right guy to trade if you're going to make one 
And if you want to read the full story, just Google, why do Sheen and Landis Cog haven't clicked in Colorado? That's a TSN article by Travis Yost. Um, to that, I'll say, like, uh, how about any, any mention of, like, the fact that Patrick Waugh was their coach for a while, as well as That's this uh, new guy? Like, it, it may have more to do with the fact that the Avalanche are a wildfire now instead of, like, or a, I don't know what I was going with, a garbage fire more than, like, fire that fire. these players aren't terrible. Like, they're, they're, like that's like a steep drop-off. Like, I'm like looking at Landis Scog's stats right now, and so he had... 65 points as a 21-year-old 20, in 2013 to 2014 season. Um, and then to this year, he had a 33 points um, four years later. There has to be, like, I think he had, like, 53 points, 59 points the year before. Yeah, I guess he had some concussion history, but, like, it's, like, one of those things, like, there has to be a, it can't just be that, like, he suddenly sucks when he's 24 years old. That doesn't work. It doesn't work that way for Landis Cog. You can say the same for Duchesne as well. Like, Duchesne had a 70-point season uh, four years ago. Um, then he went to 50, the 50s um, the last the next two years. And then this year he had an, a 41 points, which is one of his all-time lows. Although I guess, now that I'm looking at it, when he was 21 in the 2011 season... He had 28 points. But, like, even still, it's like just a vast drop-off from what we've seen of them. So I don't know if it's necessarily them as players. I think it's more just the coaches. And I think that also their stats are what scare teams off, could scare these teams off. Because it's like... um. There's a like maybe there is a reason why they're dropping off, but I don't think there is really. I think it's just Colorado is just a bad place to be right now. Yeah, and and you know what? That's a good rebuttal. And Colorado does stink. Yeah, <laughs> that's like like they need a, like they need a. It's like it's like back to uh, the Oilers back then. It's like it's not the forwards that are the issue. It's the or their top end guys, that's the issue. It's everyone else. It's the defense. It's the goalies. It's it's the coach. So it's, yeah. it's um, I, I don't know if it's necessarily like, um, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, Duchesne and Landeskog are getting a lot of trade rumors already. I just don't know if they necessarily will get like a haul for Adam Larson type deal. Um to get them going again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my, my just argument was that you want to keep as much chemistry as possible. Mm -hmm. When it comes to chemistry with Duchesne and Landis Cog, McKinnon and Landis Cog, McKinnon and Duchesne, right. Duchesne and Landis Cog, they're, uh, on, based on the charts that I've seen, the chemistry is stronger with uh, McKinnon than it is with Duchesne. That's that's just yeah. the opinion that I was making, and that's why... Um, yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, and that's why Duchesne it seems to be the odd man out. Right. So now the question becomes how much you can get in return for Duchesne. So first yeah. off, he's only 26. He's averaged 25 goals per 82 games over the last four seasons. That's pretty good. 
He is a career 11.2% shooter in five-on-five situations. That's equivalent to Brad Marchand and better than talents like Tyler Sagan and TJ Oshie. So he's got that going for him. Uh, he also won goal with Team Canada in the 2014 Sochi Games. He's been a part of six world championships. He also represented them in last year's World Cup of Hockey. Um, so there's that. He also scored a career-high 30 goals um, in 2015-2016. And his 59 points that season were the third highest of his NHL career. That was only two seasons ago. And he's a five-time 20-goal scorer in this league. And here's also, you mentioned his face-offs earlier. In 2016-2017, he won 687 of his 1,098 face-offs. Amongst players with at least 1,000 face-offs taken last season, Matt Duchesne won 62.6% of his draws, the best rating in the entire National Hockey League. Higher than uh, Bergeron, yeah, 62.6, yeah. So and and he also told Sportsnet in his defense last year he was pretty burnt out in January, but he's he promises he's going to bring the intensity no matter the jersey he's wearing. So that gives me hope that he's going to turn it around yeah. this year. And I think you can still get a lot for him. Yep. So let's get back to the trade talks for a second. So right sure. now Sackick says although the Preds made some offers, the Blue Jackets made some offers. Um, the Islanders made that one offer. The Bruins offered uh, Carlo. Or got offered. Yeah. Um, so, right now, as far as the trade market goes, things are quiet all, yeah. on all fronts, but he's still listening. So, let's take a look at some of the teams that could really use a Matt Duchesne. Montreal's a solid example. They need a Matt Duchesne. Yep. Um, Although, but, I don't know if they can send uh, another defenseman. And that's the thing. They yeah. have zero guys on defense they'd be willing to part with that Colorado mm-hmm. would want on their team. They also don't have any defensive prospects, <clears throat> Sergeyev, after yep. the Duran trade. Or below. And has to be eager to Bulio. take. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Bolio is in Buffalo now, too, yep. so they don't have him. And their prospect cupboard isn't the strongest as well, so I don't think trading away two or three draft picks is something they consider. Nashville looks solid at center. Chicago's in cap hell, so those win-now teams are probably going to stand pat. Yep. Uh, the Blue Jackets still have some RFAs to sign, but they just got Panarin. They don't have too many proven defenders that they'd be willing to part with. So I don't really know if Columbus is a good fit. However, there are two things that are going Colorado's way here. First off, there's nothing attached to Duch- du- uh, bleh, can't speak. There's nothing attached to Matt Duchesne's contract. No move, no trade, none of that. Yep. They can trade him anywhere they want. Secondly, the Avs have just over $11 million in cap space right now, so they can eat up some salary if they have to. So that opens their options as well. Um, so you still get a chance to get full value here. Now, um, I read this article in the Hockey News that pointed out some interesting landing spots. Carolina has some good young defensemen on their roster. They have Brett Pesch, Jakob Slavin. They also have uh, prospects Hayden Fleury, Jake Bean. They have Noah Hannafin as well. Colorado's got a lot to choose from. They also have Sergei Tolchinsky and Julian Gauthier up front, so they've got some talented forwards. In each of the next three years, they have picks in the first four rounds. They have over $17 million in cap space. So Carolina offers a little bit of everything. And they've, they're they also a team on the rise. They've yeah. also gotten uh, some That'd big moves during the free agency. So that's that's an interesting one. The Penguins, believe it or not, might be in the market for a third-line center, according to what Jim Rutherford told the Right, because now they have Nick Bonino out. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Imagine Duchesne on a team with Crosby and Malkin centering the first two lines. I, don't, I just insane. don't know how they could manage the cap, though. But, yeah, I could Well, see again, that. Colorado, maybe if they're asked to eat up some salary, they might be willing to do that because, like, they're not a I think right – I don't know if you're going to mention these two teams, but uh, I have a couple already. Um, okay. The, you, you mentioned them. All right. The New York Rangers, uh, they, now that they got rid of Stepan – they don't really have a lot of centers, so they'll need centers. Although, I guess they could meet. I don't know if they have. And then now that they have uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, they could afford to trade one of their younger defensemen. Um, maybe Brady I don't Shea. think Nick Holden would be one of them, considering they just got him in a trade with Colorado last offseason. True, true. But, and he's 30 years old. Um, but, like, maybe nah. Brady, Shea, uh, Brady Shea, although I don't know no if way they... No way they move him. Or Anthony no D'Angelo, maybe. Um, maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, you're right though. I, the, think I guess Colorado deserves more than Anthony D'Angelo, though. That's the true, thing. true. But and I mean, I think draft picks will you could maybe, picks. you could maybe do it with Brady Shea. Um, but yeah, you're right. The Rangers probably There's wouldn't. There's no do way that. they move him though. That's and then the thing. other team I have is, um, although it might be the same kind of issue, is the St. Louis Blues. Um, so they did get rid of Shattenkirk and Colton Pareko and Peter Angelo are their guys, but now they need a center, um, as well. They also, I mean, they got Braden Shen, uh, they have Paul Stasny hasn't been as good as he has been, you know, that we thought he would be, but, um, so that leaves room for another center, possibly for Matt Duchesne to help with Tarasenko. Um, but the other issue is now that they got rid of Shannon Kirk, really the only young player they have, the young defenseman they have is Colton Pareko, and there's no chance they're doing that. So not, not when they just signed him, and not when and, they just and signed him. They're probably content with their top four defense uh, with yeah. Gunnarsson, so I don't even know if they'd be willing to trade Gunnarsson. But I, I'm just looking at teams that need centers, um, yeah. and so those were the two that stuck out to me. But then at the same time, it's like. But they, I don't know if they would want to trade some of their young defensemen. So I don't know if it would work. Yeah, I think so, that's that's ultimately what it comes down to is that there's not a lot of teams that have a bunch of like young defensemen are like are impossible to trade with, and so I don't know if they necessarily like and like there's like teams that have a boatload of those. Um. Of defensemen, like let's say, like the Anaheim Ducks, they don't need centers. Uh, they have, you know, Getzlav and uh, Raquel. So it's it's not like they, you know, like these teams that have a ton that need defense that have a ton of defensemen don't need centers, and teams that have a boatload of centers don't, you know, I don't know, <laughs> don't need defensemen. I feel like that's really where the issue will lie. Um, yeah. Although the oh, there's another team actually that I was speaking of teams that have boatload of defensemen, um, but maybe not a ton of centers. Uh, the Calgary Who's Flames. This now? Calgary Ooh, Flames. Okay. Um, although I guess Michael Backland is a serviceable center, um, and you also have Sean Monahan. But uh, that That'd would be, be an so interesting. That'd be funny if him and Hamonic are teammates. Oh yeah, yeah that would be funny. Um, yeah, maybe they could trade him. Maybe the Flames has better luck to trade Hamannick there. 
But um, maybe like T.J. Brody, or uh, I don't know if that would work. Probably See, not Dougie. I, I, I don't know. Like, I think they've got a deadly top four. I don't think they want to mess with that at all. Yeah, that's um, that's probably true. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Go, yeah, on, they, go on with your go on with your list. Sorry. Okay. So the Pens um, also had their eyes set on free agent. Well, they did have their eyes set on free agent defenseman Will Butcher. He's going to decide on Sunday. So yep. perhaps if they get Butcher, they'd be willing to trade Oli Mata because he's got like four million. Uh, to that's, eat up. That's funny too, because Will Butcher used to be a Colorado Avalanche defenseman. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> um, and then there's an option. I just added this because I'd just yeah. be really interested to see what would happen. There's one option that I don't think anyone sees coming: the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, interesting. Sure, they don't have defensemen besides Shea Theodore. They don't have defenseman besides Shea Theodore that the Avalanche might be interested in. What they do have is draft picks, and they've got plenty. If Colorado is looking for draft picks only, Vegas has 27 over the next three years to choose from. They have eight picks in 2019 and 2020 that fall in the first two rounds. A team in its infancy would be nuts to pass on a guy like Matt Duchesne. And it should be noted that, again, Colorado's got cap space, so they could take on one of the bad contracts that Vegas has, like David Clarkson or Mikhail Grabowski, to get that deal done. And they also have some interesting options down the middle to choose from in Vegas. There's Cody Eakin, there's Oscar Lindbergh, there's William Carlson, there's Jonathan Marchessault. If Colorado wants a good fill-in for Duchesne that's NHL-ready, those are four guys to consider. So I think Vegas would be serious underdogs if... If they got talking with Colorado. The, the thing with Vegas is, as you've mentioned, is like, if Colorado wants defense, young defensemen, I don't think it's it's a go for yeah. the Vegas Yeah, but if Knights. it comes down to draft picks and getting full value, yeah. Vegas is probably the front runner, in my opinion. True. Although, I guess the Knights do have a lot of defensemen now, with uh, because that's who they drafted, but... Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. think any defenseman that Colorado would want or they'd be willing to part with. True, That's true. Other than maybe Shea Theodore or Nate Schmidt. But yeah, you're right. But I don't think, but I, I think, I don't think, I think Vegas this, would want to part with them. I think it's the perfect time for, for Colorado to part ways or because Colorado, they've got a lot of prospects at center. Yep. Uh, JT Confer got a taste of the NHL last year. He had 30 points in 41 AHL games. Tyson Yost is a former top 10 pick. Yep. He had a goal in six. Well, I'm about to uh, mention, they also, I'm about they also to got mention. free agent Rocco Grimaldi, who uh, got 31 goals and oh. 55 points wait, in 72 AHL games And as I'm well. also about to mention that they got Alex Kerfoot from Harvard, yep. uh, who had 45 points in 36 games. I was waiting for, I was literally about to say this. <laughs> and right, then and he's also got experience at center. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's the perfect time for both sides to start fresh. But yeah. I think teams are going to pick up on that eagerness because, as uh, for those of you who hadn't heard, after the Isles deal was rejected, Duchesne's agent was pissed right. that, the, that they turned it down. And I think Duchesne, ultimately, he would have been a decent fit there. I think the return was worth it. And this deal, I think, is going to happen at some point. But with every single NHL team knowing, oh, Duchesne's agent was pissed. Like, yep. everyone's probably eager for them to part ways with the abs. Right. They're just like, hey, you need to get rid of this guy. Here's what you're going to get. Take it or leave it. Yep. Uh, so I, I think I think they missed the boat. I think in order to get full value, it'll be draft picks only. 
Yeah, I don't know. As I just mentioned, I think it's, it's just tough because no team really wants to part with away with their young defensemen um, or even players. And I think, like, considering that the Avalanche wanted Carlo or Hamannick, especially players that are young players that are, you know, currently doing really well. So I don't know if it would... Um, it's, it's just a hard task to manage. I mean, Matt Duchesne, as we mentioned, is a, a young talent, and he he could be a guy, the guy there, but um, I don't know if, they, if there's a team that's willing to trade away their young defenseman. Um, and that's probably why Duchesne's still in Colorado. Yeah, exactly. Or it's just the asking price is too high, basically. Yeah, that's the, that's either the thing. or. Um, but, like, I can't blame the Avalanche for trying, because if you want Duchesne, you better have a good asking price. It's not yeah. like, you know. It's you just the more from... time that they waste, the less value they're going to get. Right. And it, he's only got two years, so. It might be another, like, Taylor Hall situation where we'll yeah, find they out just that have to we'll settle, go, like, but... who's Adam Larson, you know? Um, speaking, so the Avalanche, uh, I, as I just mentioned, Alex Kerfoot signed to the Avs, um... As well, uh, Will Butcher, who used to be on the Avs, who they could use right now, um, is uh, is reportedly deciding between the L.A. Kings and the New Jersey Devils. He's supposedly deciding on Sunday, um, which um, which will probably be when you're listening to this right now. So um, it's funny how the the two teams squaring off in the 2012 finals are are the biggest prize they're fighting oh, over is right. Will Butcher. Yeah, you're right. Well, I have a feel. I have a feeling that it's like Will Butcher won't be as good as he's hyped even now. Although he wasn't like a Jimmy VC type, it's just like a. I have a feeling he's not even gonna. He's not even gonna be that good, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. It would be so avalanche that, like, this is the worst season by far for the avalanche. And, like, in franchise history and in NHL history, and now they, like, they're going to lose out on their defensive prospect. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't think it will be that big of a deal, like, in a couple years. Like, look at Jimmy VC. He didn't have a great year this year. Um, and I'm sure he would want to be in Nashville right now instead of New York. Um, speaking of Jimmy VC, Brandon Dubinsky uh, tweeted out the college free agency situation in the NHL needs to be figured out. It's a joke, especially to the guys that play major junior. I bet the teams that make the draft pick would agree with me as well. And then he went on to clarify that I want players to have all options they can when they sign a contract. Major junior players can't, and it's not fair. That's all he was saying, um, which I guess is a good point. However, uh, the thing is, is that like just the way that the contracts work nowadays is that like you can't play in the NCAA if you have a, if you signed a contract in the NHL because there's quote unquote student athletes um, and they don't allow it's, you're not allowed to be paid. It's not just in hockey. It's, it's a big thing in football and basketball um, as well. Um, it just basketball, so ha- I think it's worse. Well, it's worse. Yeah, it's worse in basketball. That's right. Cause it's one and done's and all that stuff. But like, 
It just so happens that like the contract is a three-year deal, which is right after your, um, which is like when you're when you when a college player would be a senior. So you have to either decide on if you want to graduate from college, or just you know stick it like sign with the team that you got drafted, and you know maybe you you don't have a choice, so you get better options. It, if you just graduate from college and you can sign wherever you want, um, as opposed to, um, just signing right away and going to the AHL or whatever. So, I mean, there is stuff to uh, figure out in that sense, but I mean, I guess Dubinsky has like a point, but it's like, it doesn't really fly. I think he's just, he's just mad that he, uh, didn't play college hockey. You American. Um, I actually, I was looking at this as like, where did he go to college? I wonder why he didn't do this. And then I turned out that he plays in WHL and he's an American. So it's like, okay, I guess that explains that he just hates college hockey. Um, let's see here. What else uh, do we have here? Uh, speaking of, so I just mentioned that butcher, uh, might go to the devil's uh, Travis Zajac is out four to six months for pectoral surgery. Um, this, uh, this will be interesting. No, I only, we only mentioned this just because, uh, well, first off, Zajac is a good defensive forward, um, and it, it will definitely hurt the Devils starting out. However, since the Devils are in rebuild mode, it's kind of not a huge deal. Um, however... This could bring up that Nico Heischer could start, be the number one center um, to start the season, which would be pretty interesting. They also, I mean, the Devils likely will probably put in um, Adam Henrique um, as the starting center, but I kind of like the idea that Heischer will be the, um, could be the the one C to start the season, as well as Pavel Zaka. Um, that could be an interesting move as well. Maybe they could step up. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, just taking a look at Sajak's numbers, since his 67 points back in 2009-2010, uh, he hasn't been able to surpass 50 points in a season. So that's seven seasons uh, where he hasn't been able to do that. But that's not what they're going to miss. Because, like you say, he's the number one center. Um, he took the 10th most draws in the NHL last year. He won seven. If he wants, yeah, 74% would have been nice. 54.7% is the amount of draws that he won. That's still pretty good. And he's won at least 50% of his draws in each of the last four campaigns. Um, you look at newcomer Marcus Johansson. He's played all three sides. He's a guy who had 58 points last year. It could be a confidence builder for him if you thrust him into that role. Um, but like you said, Adam Henrique, you have him. His primary position is center. And then if Nico Heischer gets on the team, he's a guy who can take face-offs. Um, I think if Henry can fill the void and New Jersey comes out gunning, this squad could surprise a lot of people. Yep. The only issue is that Henry has only gone over 50% once in his career. That was back in 2014, 2015, only took 519 draws that season. But until Nico can prove himself, it's Adam's job to lose because of his scoring and his leadership. So I think unless Nico has a huge training camp, which I think a lot of people are expecting, I think Henry is... For now, they're number one center until Sajak returns. Yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, the Devils also signed uh, Drew Stafford 
uh, for a one-year deal. Um, and as well, Jimmy, they gave Jimmy Hayes a, quali- a PTO, a practice tryout. Um, so, I mean, this. I was hoping that uh, Stafford would go to the Bruins um, just, but like I understand the, their top priority should be on getting Pasternak signed, but I was hoping that Stafford would wait a bit until that happens, but uh, I hope he, uh, he, I hope he does well in New Jersey. Um, and Jimmy Hayes gets a tryout from the Devils, um, as I just mentioned, so I don't know, I, I, this is another situation where I think this could be a good situation with him, considering the Devils are have less pressure on him to do well, whereas I feel like the main reason why the Bruins, it didn't work out with the Bruins, was because he had high expectations. He was the guy that we got in return from a Sagan trade in a weird kind of way. So he also, like, we thought he would be this, like, bruiser and... At the time, we like or this power forward because of his build, and he's not that guy. He he can't hit like he he doesn't go into those creases and areas and stuff. So I think it's just the Bruins expected too much out of him, um, and uh, I I hope he I hope he does well in the Devils, um, but we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's two uh, two guys going into a less pressure situation, situation yeah. like. The Stafford only put up 21 points in 58 games last year. He's not going to bring it offensively, but he's a good veteran that you'd like to have. And yeah. Jimmy Hayes, you're right. It's a low-risk hard situation. So I, I think they're going to do pretty well in New Jersey. I hope they do pretty well in New Jersey. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think uh, – I think the Bruins were wise to, to part ways with Jimmy Hayes and yep. to a lesser extent Drew Stafford. Even though he, even though he was a quality guy, he just yep. – I don't think the bang was – I don't think you get much bang for your buck with Drew Stafford anymore. Yeah, that's true. Although, I'm just looking at his stats here. The, the Bruins uh, – He had Stafford, some big moments, no question. Yeah, but. yeah. Stafford had uh, eight points in 18 games for the Bruins, so – um, yes. it's not, it's not nothing. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's not uh, nothing, but it's not, not like, out. it's not like, yeah, exactly. It's not like I'm like crying, <laughs> um, yeah. cause he's gone, but, uh, I would have liked to see him play cause he would be a good depth guy, but, um, yeah. we'll see. So good luck to him. Um, Matt Cullen signed a one year deal to Minnesota. This isn't speaking of depth moves. Um, so this could, uh, this could also work out for them. Matt Cullen's another guy who is like a big face-off guy, but doesn't have as much offensive potential as, say, Matt Duchesne does, but, um, yeah, so, uh, he's on Minnesota now. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah, what else he, to say. Also, also his, um, his second time with Minnesota, he actually, um, recorded 33 goals and 101 points in 193 games during his first time with the Wild from 2010 to 2013. Uh, back then, he had a modified no-trade loss, an average cap hit of $3.5 million. This contract is worth $1 million with 700000 in potential bonuses. Uh, what he has been throughout his year is consistent. Uh, 30 to 39 points six times, 40 to 49 points seven times. Um, but he hasn't scored 40 points since 2009-2010. So uh, you're right. His face-offs were a big reason why they got this guy. Um, Since entering the league in 97-98, he owns the 12th best face-off percentage amongst forwards who have taken at least 15,000 face-offs. 
Here are some of the other active players who have bettered Matt's 51.4% career faceoff win percentage during that time. Patrice Bergeron, who's second, 57.1%. He's taken more faceoffs than Matt Collin as well, by the way. Ryan Kessler, fourth at 54.4%. Miku Koivu, fifth at 53.9%. Jason Spezza, seventh, 52.7%. And Joe Thornton, who is eighth at 52.6%, he has taken over 20,000 career faceoffs. And amongst players with over 500 faceoffs last year, Colin was 48th in the entire league. So he can still bring it. Yeah. Well, he's still getting up there in age, but. But yeah. hopefully he can bring it. But yeah, he, exactly for a guy his age yeah. at his role, he, he can provide a lot for your team. True. So a very very good depth signing by Minnesota here. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Henrik Zetterberg is uh supposedly going to retire in two years. Um. He's supposedly gonna just the way that the he signed the contract before the second lockout or the last lockout, I should say. I guess it's the mm-hmm. third lockout, right? Because there was a lockout in the 90s. Anyways. Yeah, 90, 94, 95 was a shortened season. So was 2012, 2013. And, and then 0405, the entire season was a right. But anyways, so he's, uh, Zetterberg signed this contract before the, the third lockout. Um, and uh, it was like a contract-laden... Uh, lockout where you can't do this anymore. Where he's making one million dollars uh, um, in his last two years, so he's going to retire uh, right before that happens. Um, it's kind of cheap, but whatever. Um, it says here that his cap hit is six million still, so uh, so it doesn't really work out well for the de- uh, the Red Wings, but. Um, it makes sense considering that Zetterberg, um, I mean, he's, he's a quality, consistent guy, um, but, you know, uh, the Red Wings are going for young now, young players now, or should be going for young players now, so we'll see. Um, they're also, uh, close to the cap, um, I'll, I'll let you talk about Zetterberg in a second, but I do want to mention... Um, that the Red Wings have, um, still have to sign, uh, Andreas Athanasu, who got a KHL offer. Um, we're not sure if he's going to sign it yet, but he's, uh, he's a guy, if, especially if the Red Wings are in this rebuild mode, um, this is a guy that you want to keep, um, but it looks like they're, they're in just uh, cap hell at the moment, the Red Wings are. So um, we shall see if this is going to, I don't know, what it's going to be an interesting situation for what's going to happen with Athanasu. Um, Athanasu had 29 points in 64 games last year, and he could be given a bigger role this year. He's only 23 years old, so um, he has potential. Sorry, go on. <laughs> What do you uh, say so, on all this stuff on the Red Wings? Zetterberg, well, if, Athanasu, whatever you want. If, if Zetterberg retires in two years, they need a guy like Andreas Anthanasiu on their team. Yep. Plain and simple. I think uh, he scored 18 goals last year. Um, Consistency-wise, he was hot and cold. But when he was on his game, he was, he, he's a really skilled guy that they could use. Um, for Zetterberg, just looking at his numbers over the past a little bit, um, 
after recording 48 points uh, in 46 games in 2012-2013. He recorded 48 points in 45 games the following year. Some games in 2014-2015, 17 goals, 66 points. He had 13 goals and 50 points in 82 games in 2015-16. Last year, another 82-game season, 17 goals and 68 points. And he actually, although the Red Wings were in a playoff team, he went from a minus 15 to a plus 15. So all that talk last year where, he's, where I'm pretty sure you alluded to Henrik Zetterberg having a bad year, and I, I think to a certain extent I agree with you. He didn't yeah. have a bad year. He actually improved no, I was wrong on from uh, the season before. Yep, I was wrong so on that. So imagine, imagine if he doesn't retire in two years. If he doesn't retire in two years, they're paying him a base salary, according to Cap Friendly, of a million dollars per year in the final two years of his deal. I think they're better off trading him. Who? Because you can get... Oh, Zetterberg. You can, no, Zetterberg. You can get, for a guy, if he can, if he continues to produce at this rate, you can get 50 to 60 points out of a guy that's making a million dollars a year. There are a lot of NHL teams that would take that. There sure. are a lot of teams. I think every team in the league would take a guy like Henrik Zetterberg at that price if he's producing at that rate. That, what that is you, a steal of a deal. And I think the Red Wings are wise to do that because I think they would get a big return for him. What so if, if he doesn't retire in two years, I think he gets traded. What if uh, the Red Wings trade Zetterberg to the Avalanche for Duchesne? You know what? That's an interesting one. I I think I think for... Actually, no. There's no way the Avalanche would do that. Well, they, would, they would probably want a younger... They would, they would probably want they. I think it would take it would it would be more than just a one for one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's something. I think the abs would cons- consider. I think it would be. Um, they would need to have more. They would need to have more long term assets yeah. though in that deal though. That's the thing because yeah. you can't just get set up for, for for three years. That's a bad thing. You need some future in there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, at, at that rate, you know, I'm, I'm sure they would love a guy like uh, Henrik Zetterberg on their yeah. team uh, who can, again, produce at that rate and make like a million a year. That's yeah. a steal. But they need more long-term assets in that deal for me to consider that. Look I'm at that. Right. The uh, Avalanche and the uh, Red Wings making a deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, ten years ago, I don't know. About yeah, that. I don't know if they would. Um, yeah, all right. We actually we have an all right. We're in an hour in this podcast, so we have some time. Uh, the Yager, uh, supposedly this is we're, this is like a trade rumor episode, basically. Uh, but supposedly the Flames are interested in Yager. Um, although supposedly the reason why there's been a holdup is, as I read somewhere, is the Flames want to get Sam Bennett, who's at RFA, locked up uh, before they start signing Yager. Um, so, uh, that's been the holdup. Um, but, uh, Yager to the Flames could be an interesting move for them. He could be, like, bring a veteran presence yeah, veteran presence, good depth guy. Yeah. I'd love to see him and Johnny Hockey play on the same team. It would add more depth to their offense as well. Yeah. For a guy like Sam Bennett, I think two-year deal around $2 million per year is probably a good thing because like, there have been times where he is on his game 
But when he is not on his game, he is ice cold and ineffective. Yeah. Until I see more from that, he's not getting any more than two well, years, two million per year. I think that's a wise deal for the Flames to give him because I haven't seen a lot from him to suggest he deserves more than that. I think the thing with Sam Bennett is that, like, he basically Matt Kachuk does the same stuff as Matt Sam Bennett does. Um, so it's it's like they're competing with each other in terms of ice time. So um, yeah. uh, I think that's more of the issue. We'll see. Um, also, uh, Thomas Vanek hasn't been signed yet. Jerome Ginla hasn't been signed yet. Shane Doan hasn't been signed yet. Um, those are kind of surprising that they haven't been signed yet. Um, other things, um, just other RFAs that are available. Um, Jack Eichel has like is also available, kind of like a McDavid deal. He he could be um, you know could be signed for long term now. I wonder what he'll get. Probably not what McDavid gets, but maybe somewhere close. Uh, Bo Horvat's an RFA. Wenberg's an RFA. Uh, so is Anderson. Sam Bennett. We just talked about. Uh, Connor Brown, D- Damon Severson, and Nikita Zadorov. Um, <laughs> I-, I hope you guys knew which teams they were. Horvat's of uh, Vancouver. Wenberg and Anderson are in uh, Columbus. Bennett, I just mentioned, is the Flames. Duclair is in Arizona. Connor Brown, the Maple Leafs. Damon Severson is for the Devils, and Zadorov is for the Avalanche. So those, those are, are just notable, notable RFAs that, that still haven't been signed. And this ties in perfectly to our uh-huh. Bruins Send segment, because the biggest RFA that still hasn't been signed yet, now that Drysaddle has, um, actually, all right, I was going to start with the Sens, but we'll start with the Bruins here. Now start with the Bruins. Because I Bruins. tied in perfectly here. Yeah, no, uh, no keep, keep going, you're on a roll here. <laughs> Now I ruined it because I, I just started talking. <laughs> but, no, no, so uh, David Pasternak um, still hasn't been signed yet. Um, as we mentioned earlier in the show, the um, supposedly from the Boston Herald uh, that uh, Pasternak, or the Bruins offered Pasternak six years for six million, which I would have been fine with, um, but uh, now that Dreisaitl, who has comparative comparative stats to Pasternak, um, gets eight years, eight point five million, so that kind of ruins um, that aspect. And the Pasternak camp can do more with that, um, you know, and like say, oh, he deserves more than that. The thing that I think is holding it up now is that you have. Uh, Krejci, who makes $7.25 million. You have Bergeron, who makes $6.8 million. Brad Marchand makes $6.1 million. And you also have Tuca, who makes seven, um, And David Backus, who makes six. Um, so, you have those guys. Yet, like, I, I'm fine with Pasternak getting $8 million, But I, I could see why the Bruins... Um, like Don Sweeney would wouldn't necessarily want to have him be have eight million, um, or like sign him for eight million just to have him be more than say Brad Marchand or Patrice Bergeron. 
then essentially you're saying that Pasternak is worth more than Bergeron or Marchand, which I think you you could say that, um, just considering yeah. that Pasternak <laughs> is younger. He's 21 years old, and he puts up the same um, same point totals as those two. So I don't know. It's It's one of those things. I'm hoping... I know I cut you off here, but it is my team. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but uh, I I know uh, Philip Forsberg got six million. Uh, uh, he had similar stats at the time when he signed that contract. I think another one was uh, Tarasenko. I'm just quickly looking at here. He also he had seven point five million, but. I could see it. I, I want it somewhere in that range of a Tarasenko or Forsberg range where it's like maybe like 6.2, maybe somewhere equivalent to what uh, Brad Marchand got last year. Like eight year, um, let's see, wait, I just went off the cap friendly page here from Brad Marchand. So Brad Marchand got 6.1 million. Um, so Pasternak maybe gets 6.5. And then that's just a little bit less than Bergeron and a lot less than David Krejci. I didn't even realize that Krejci is making $7.2 million. Now I'm even more pissed at that. But, um, yeah, so uh, so there's that. Um, do you have anything to say about this whole thing? Well, um, I heard I'll get that, to the trade um, rumors in a minute, but yes. Yeah. Well, I heard that... Um, the thing that was holding Pasternak's camp back from signing a contract right. was they Dreisaitl. were waiting for Dreisaitl to get paid. Yep. And he was offered, I don't know if you mentioned this, um, he I was offered that. a six-year deal with uh, $6 million per year. I did mention that. That was before, okay, and it was before Dreisaitl got signed. Yep. Now, you look at the guy. Thanks, Shirelli. <laughs> yeah. You, you get, look at the guys of uh that the Bruins have traded in the past, thanks, Shirelli. They've traded Jumbo Joe Thornton, Phil Kessel, Tyler Sagan, thank you, Shirelli. Yep. Blake Wheeler, oh, I think thanks. Shirelli was a part of that. Thanks, Dougie Shirelli. Hamilton, Shirelli was not a part not of that. Not a part of that, but so, no, of he that. wasn't, no, he wasn't. That was uh, that was Don Sweeney's big first move. Yeah. 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 And then the fifth-round pick that turned out to be Jamie Benn. Can't yep. forget about that one. True. Um, Although I always I always say that it's like who who would have thought that Jamie Ben would be this good? You know, it's yeah, I, I know, I, know I, I do hear well, about that. It's like good. yeah, the Bruins or the Stars picked Jamie Ben with the Bruins pick, but like at the same time, also I think that was one of those things where the Bruins like tr- got a guy. That, I think McQuaid was the guy they got in that trade. Yeah, it was McQuaid, and he was a helpful guy in the twenty. He was a whoever it was. It was a twenty eleven. He was a twenty eleven player who helped us. But win still, cup, so. it's yeah. Jamie Ben. Still, again, yeah, you're right. It's Jamie Ben. We, okay. yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> so we're talking about a guy that scored thirty over thirty goals and seventy points in the final year of his entry level yep. deal. He deserves a pay raise. Yep. What this makes me wonder is what would Boston do if any team offers you to David Pasternak? Let's yep. say, okay, hypothetical situation. Let's say the Toronto Maple Leafs off, make an offer sheet to David Pasternak. Let's yep. say 8 to $9 million a year. If Boston cannot afford that, they'll likely receive compensation. In the Leafs farm system, they have Jeremy Bracco, Nikita Sajnikov, and Kasperi Kapanen amongst right wingers. In that group, Bracco has the most height. 
However, it should be noted that Shea Weber would have gone to the Flyers for four first-round picks. So I'm not even sure if the least prospects would be fair game to begin with. In which case, it would make even more sense if Toronto offered Sheedham because yep. who cares if you really give up four first-round picks to Boston? You have Bracco, you have Soshnikov, you have Kapanen in your prospect pool. Yep. Uh, they have Lilligren on the rise on defense, along with Willie Nylander and Mitch Marner on the right side. They're looking nasty at right wing. Right. They are pretty decent with the uh, from the left side as well. At center, they have Matthews, Bosak, and Kadri taking faceoffs. Besides eight to nine million dollars per year, what would Toronto have to lose? That's one thing. Second Other than thing, well, I was second thing uh, that and just quickly, I'm going to close yeah. off on this. Second thing, why they should offer Sheetham is just that everyone in the Atlantic would die laughing. Yep. Because Toronto might put themselves in cap hell. The Bruins might lose one of their best players, and everyone else wins. Yep. Uh, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, this. Uh, well, this except Buffalo. Except yeah. Buffalo. But um. Except Buffalo. And and Tampa and Montreal and Ottawa, but uh, no. Well, the thing with this is, you know, Toronto and Bruins have a history of uh, Toronto has a history of being screwed over by the Bruins. With the Kessel trade uh, that got uh, for like two first round picks that ended up being Tyler Sagan and Dougie Hamilton, and then they also uh, traded uh, Andrew or the Bruins traded Andrew Raycroft for Tuka Rask. So it's uh, yeah. I don't know if the <laughs> maybe this will be a comeuppance um, if the Maple Leafs do offer sheet uh, Pasternak. I did read somewhere, I think it was a couple months ago, that Sweeney said that if any team does offer Sheet Pasternak, they'll match it right away. Um, so it would screw over their cap situation, but I think at that point you kind of have to do it. Um, if they blow this situation, yeah. are you still a Bruins fan? Right, no, I was I was just getting that. There were trade rumors, well, I think it was last week, there were like uh, uh, some guy... Um, I'm blanking on his name even, um, but like he he even spelled Pasternak's name wrong in the actual tweet, which Brian shows. Lawton, I'm pretty sure yeah, was his name. Yeah, uh, he even spelled Pasternak's name wrong, which just shows how like he's a former GM too. Yeah, how like how bad his speculation is. It's just pure speculation that he had. He said like that David Pat he wouldn't be surprised if Pasternak Pasteur with an E. Uh, gets gets traded. I'm more pissed off that he said he spelled his name wrong than th- what he actually wrote. And then, um, like, uh, the next day, Sweeney comes out in the Globe and says, we're not trading Pasternak. This is stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was, I was just mentioning to Steve off the air, if, for whatever reason, if, I don't even know what the odds are that the Bruins would trade David Pasternak. Um, if if they do trade him, I I think we're going to have to change this segment on the show because I, I can't be a Bruins fan if they trade him. Because um, it's just like, as I just mentioned, they had guys like, as you mentioned too, uh, they had Sagan, uh, they traded him away, they traded Dougie Hamilton away, they traded Blake Wheeler a long time ago too. Uh, they also traded, uh, I mean, Kessel, I guess you can count, but we got, you know, we got a fair deal with uh, Sagan and um, 
Hamilton, but that was also risky too. Um, we also traded Jumbo Joe a long time ago. It's like, it, it's just a pattern. And that was the main reason why there was so much, like that. that's the main reason why Lawton even speculated this is like, I wouldn't be surprised considering the Bruins history. It's just, it's just lazy really. Um, so, um, but yeah, if it, if it, if there is any truth to these rumors, I know like Bergevin has said like, you know, that he's not trading PK Subban. And then like two weeks later he trades PK Subban. So, um, it's not like you can take GMs for their word per se. However, if Pasternak is traded, I, I might, I will, I'll be in depression for like 20 years. <laughs> um, uh, is it too soon for me to ask who you'll be cheering for after the Bruins? Yeah, I, it, it is kind of weird that I've actually <laughs> been thinking about this. Um, I pro, it would either be, it would depend on who Pasternak because I love Pasternak, so I might just so wherever he goes, you go. I might do that. Um, yeah. Or I actually believe it or not, I kind of I kind of love the Maple Leafs. Um, with their with Matthews and Marners and Nylander, so I might actually be a Leafs fan, oh. or I'll and it would it would work well too because then I, you know I get to play the Bruins every um, you know I could cheer against the Bruins um, more likely than not. What about Nashville? They got Subban on. Yeah, that. Nashville is a good choice too. Um, Calgary as well. I like Johnny Goudreau. Um, so, although I would hate Dougie Hamilton, although now that they, now that I hate the Bruins as well, I might just <laughs> swear allegiance to Dougie Hamilton as well. I guess in the same vein, I would be a Dallas Stars fan. That would be another one as well, just so I can get back with, uh, Tyler Sagan. Um, now, so we'll see. um, if Pasternak went to Ottawa, would you be a Sens fan? Uh, yeah, I probably would. I love Eric Carlson. Yeah, I think so. It would just so. be a sense segment, all right? Yeah, I think, oh, I think it would just be a sense segment, yeah. yeah. Um, In all seriousness, though, I think I think Pasternak resigns. It's just for how much. No, I no, I, I, I think so, too. But um, yeah. it just it just got me annoyed that, that, yeah. that like, day where it's just, like, everyone was taking it seriously. It's like, how, how could you guys take this guy seriously when he spelled Pasternak's name wrong? Um, speaking of, I'm sorry, I didn't give you enough time. Uh, we have like one minute left for your send stuff. I'm sorry. Oh wow, one minute. Okay, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm just I'm gonna post up the script that I have. Um, okay. For those of you who didn't know, Brian Murray passed away. Um, I'm so sorry. Passed, yeah. Um, courageous battle with colon cancer. Uh, the lasted just over three years. Unfortunately, passed away on the morning of August 12th, surrounded by his friends and family. There was a public celebration of life held at the Canadian Tire Center this past Thursday. Uh, I uh, did a piece with um, with uh, CFRA's Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. I'm his show producer. So uh, occasionally he asked me to come on to talk about hockey and all that stuff. So that's what we talked about on Thursday. I have posted that interview on the Twitter page. Um, also the script uh, that I wrote of him in the Sense segment, I'm going to post that on the Facebook page. So if you follow us on Facebook, you'll be able to see that um, you'll be able to read the tribute for yeah. yourself. So um, rest in peace, Brian Murray. Our thoughts are with his family and his yeah. friends, and 
just a gentle giant um, in the game of hockey, and yeah. just just an all around great guy. And, yeah, uh, we're, we're sad that he's not around anymore. Notable uh, trades that you mentioned was that he was uh, when he was on the Florida GM. He uh, yeah. He so got, got Luongo. Luongo from uh, the Islanders. That was the, a, Islanders. the yeah. fleeced uh, Milbury big time there. Yeah, I thought he was. He also fleeced uh, Milbury, uh, sending Chara over to the Ottawa. No, that was Marcel that Johnson's was another guy. doing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he'll be missed. He was a he was a big part of the hockey community, but uh, yeah, he'll be missed. Sorry, I, I I wish we had a little bit more time. I messed up, but uh, we're just a minute over. Um, I, uh, social media at, uh, our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast, uh, where Steve will post all his, uh, thoughts on Brian Murray there, as well as our Facebook, um, which is just Lace Em Up. I'm pretty sure if you just search Lace Em Up on Twitter, you can, you can find our, our Twitter. Um, you can also email us at, uh, laceupbag at gmail.com. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. Um, we're also on Fantrax Radio at the moment, um, however you're listening to this. Um, I have a, I have an article coming up about ten top 10 defensemen um, on the Fantrax blog pretty soon. Um, and that's it. Uh, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 89 of the Lace Em Up podcast.